0: My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.
1: I'm Neil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question. How can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. There's no denying the popularity of fast, casual dining. People love nothing more than being able to grab food on the go without interrupting their busy days. The bar for this food, however, is much higher than it used to be. Customers are increasingly looking for clean options and aren't willing to settle for mystery meat and greasy sides. A recent study also found that 40% of Americans choose plant-based meals when eating out. So it's pretty clear that as more people shift away from meat and dairy in favor of healthier, more sustainable options, fast, casual, plant-based cuisine will increase in popularity. This is the shift that my guest, Craig Cochran, has seen firsthand. Craig is the co-owner of Terry a hundred percent plant-based fast casual restaurant with three locations in New York City. He also recently launched a new restaurant, PS Kitchen, that caters to a more high-end palate and donates all their profits to charity. In our conversation, Craig tells a story of how he worked his way from being employed at some of New York City's first vegan restaurants to eventually starting his own. We get into the challenges he faced from perfecting the flavor profiles for his menus to tips on how to reduce employee turnover. For Craig, growing a successful business is about much more than endless expansions and profits. It's about making plant-based food accessible to people at every price point. And most importantly, showing people who have never tried it that you don't need meat and dairy to make a mean buffalo chicken sandwich. It's not easy to have a successful restaurant in New York City, especially one that's completely plant-based. So if you're interested in learning about how Craig made it happen, keep listening. I'm here with Craig Cochran from Terry and uh, PS Kitchen. Craig, thanks for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, Neil.
1: So, Craig, we've known each other now for about seven years. I used to work in the Chelsea neighborhood of Manhattan, and uh, Terry opened up about two blocks away from where I was working, and I literally showed up almost every day for lunch over there. That's how we got to know each other. Um... And it's interesting to see how much you've done with Terry and now with the launch of P.S. Kitchen. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about all of that today. Uh, but for our listeners, um, I'd love to start off with um, really your backstory. How did a kid from Buffalo end up um, in New York City owning uh, now four plant-based restaurants? Um, and um, how did that even start? Did you Were you always interested in food? Um, what's, what's the story here?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I got interested in—I've always been inter- interested in food, um, but growing up, I actually grew up in the projects in Buffalo. And um, when I was in college, uh, I went vegetarian because of a philosophy professor, and um, I thought uh, I felt so good about it that I wanted everybody to try to eat that way. And um, I tried plenty of different ways of. Accomplishing that goal and what I found was I had a talent in making food that tasted like the kind of food that I ate before I went vegetarian. So um, I actually moved to New York uh, Specifically with the idea that I was going to work at a restaurant here take those ideas back to Buffalo and um, And then open a place there. Uh, The problem was I fell in love with New York and uh, as you can imagine so I ended up staying um, and ended up working at a couple restaurants here, um, helped open Candle 79 when it first opened. That was really fun and exciting. That was my first job in New York. Um, and that was a huge hit. Um, it was really like probably the first like sit down nice um, restaurant of its kind um, shortly after Pure Food and Wine opened. Uh, it was just, yeah. And then Blossom opened right after that. That was a really exciting time in New York. Um, but we weren't sure if it was going to work <laughs> because, you know, Candle Cafe was there and that was a huge hit, but it's much more casual than uh, the 79 location.
1: So what? which year was this when uh, Candle 79 opened? Because I, um, I've i not been... Uh, you said 20 years ago is when you went to vegan. <laughs> is, that some, is that the story? Uh, yeah, if I'm going to date myself, yeah. Wow, okay. <laughs> so yeah. um, 79. Candle 79, I knew, was one of this... Was everyone... Who starts to eat more plant-based um, uh, thinks of in, you thinks of that as being the the first real fancy gourmet uh, plant-based food restaurant in New York City. So you were involved since the beginning in that restaurant?
2: Yeah, actually, before before it opened, um, you know, I was just eager to learn, so I would show up <laughs> without being paid and just like, what can I do to help? You know, that sort of thing. Six months before it opened, so I would you know, empty boxes and put things away. I would follow Bart and Joy around the owners. Um, anything I could do to help, I just wanted to learn. I was just hungry to learn because that's, that's what I came here for. And um, they were very gracious, and Bart, very early on, um, saw something in me. And so he would show me little things that he wouldn't show other people. And um, so that was great. That was a great experience. Um, that was 2003. Um, and then uh, I worked there and uh, managed that for a few years uh, with Binet. And... Um, then I went off to join Blossom um, and helped uh, open a couple locations with them. We opened Cafe Blossom, and then we opened V-Note, Um and then um, yeah, and that's that was uh, it was there for that was there for a few years. And then simultaneously, as we were opening V-Note, Um a landlord came to me um, who owned a place on 23rd Street, and gave essentially gave like, the short version is he gave me a great offer during the recession on a on a little teeny spot on 23rd Street uh, that was too small for any of the concepts we had at Blossom and um, yeah and I took a leap of faith with my best friend Mike um, who is from also from Western New York and um, that was the first Terry.
1: Wow so let's uh, let's back up a little bit in terms of before Terry even started off um, you said you came to New York to try to learn um, how to make vegan food so you could take it back to Buffalo and hopefully open up a restaurant. Uh, was, did you work as a chef in the beginning, or were you just ready to be involved in a restaurant in any way possible so that you could uh, just learn?
2: Well, I actually, I, I actually came to learn how to run a restaurant. I thought I knew how to make the food. Um, my mom's a really good cook. That's why I named it after my mom. Uh, Terry and actually my best friend Mike his mom is also named Terry so that's where it gets the name Um, but yeah no I thought I could do the food thing um, but I really wanted to I didn't know anything about the business you know the business side of things so that's that's really what I came to to learn Um, and yeah I was willing to do anything I mean I would have you know washed dishes chopped onions whatever they wanted me to do Um, I actually went around to a few other restaurants here in New York, and I was like, "Look, you know, I'll bust tables, whatever, anything. I just wanted to get in, and I knew that my drive would, um, you know, would pay off. So that was that was the goal.
1: And the focus was always you wanted to focus on plant-based food. You were not necessarily interested in um, in doing anything else because that's how you ate.
2: Yeah, it was it was basically like in, in a way, almost like my form of activism, right? Like I wanted to. I just thought that." Um, that, you know, I'm sure many of your listeners know. You know, many of the why's why it's you know good for the environment and all those things um, to eat that way. And I felt very strongly of that too. But I wanted to make it easier. I wanted to make it more convenient, more accessible. Um, and there's nothing like that in Buffalo. Certainly, um, and just picture a world where every McDonald's offered that type of food uh, that, that we offer Terry. I think that more people would eat that way because it's it's more convenient it's easier and that's really what I wanted to do that was my goal.
1: Yeah especially when you know about seven years ago or when Terry started when I got to know you first uh, it was a time when people and to a certain extent parts of the country and and across the world people still have this notion of uh, plant-based food as being less than in terms of uh, flavor and uh, in terms of Nutrition and perhaps even the taste profile, I mean, perhaps even in terms of uh, how it'll fill you up. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has, I I know most vegan restaurants in the beginning uh, were very focused on trying to recreate old favorites. And I think your first, um, I mean, some of the first restaurants you worked at, Blossom, Kendall 79, uh, really mastered that in New York City. They were great at providing food that you would eat some of the stuff and be like, I can't believe this is even plant based. Um, and sort of, Terry, I think your first restaurant was sort of an extension of that, but more on the fast uh, food space. And this was, again, seven years ago. Now, vegan fast food, you know, we, I've spoken to the founder of Terry, uh, of, um, of Veggie Grill, um, which is a chain of uh, plant based restaurants now all across California, soon taking over the country. We now have By Chloe and other fast food restaurants that are in New York City and slowly spreading elsewhere. Um, But this was a time when when you when you said plant based or vegetarian or vegan um, back in 2010, even people assumed uh, you were talking about just health food or just salads, perhaps. You know, I like the fact that you've always had this um, very clear idea with Terry in the beginning on what you hoped it would achieve. It would help people try plant-based foods, but not feel like they're making a compromise and the things that they typically get, whether it is, um, yeah, as I said, nutrition or taste. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's talk about, you know, what, before you went and started Terry, what, what did you learn from your seven odd years working in the restaurant space in New York city? Um, how did you not give up in that time frame? Um, before even thinking of starting a restaurant, because it's not a you know I've I've never worked in the industry, but I know people who have, and it can be uh, it, it can be pretty crazy, especially in this city of all places on earth. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's a grind <laughs> for sure. Um, why didn't I get? I mean, I it was always I always saw the light at the end of the tunnel, and I still am very optimistic. I think that um, you know we we are going to continue to grow. We're growing right now. Um, exciting things are happening, and so I always kind of focused on that point. Um, you know, this whole time while I was working at these places, I was aggressively saving. I was, you know, living in a bunk bed apartment with, um, Mike. Uh, we shared a room, um, for years, uh, saving up our money so that we could, you know, cause we knew we had our eye on the prize, you know, we knew what, uh, that we wanted to do our own thing. And, um, so it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I just, I was always optimistic about the future. And, um, and it was always exciting, you know. There was always new projects on the horizon, and each each project that I was involved in uh, was very successful, and that was fun. That was fun to be part of that. Um, so
1: and you think you also had some amount of luck where you ended up with these restaurants that have stood the test of time. The totally. ones before even you started, Terry Candle seventy nine still around. Blossom is is growing and expanding by the day. Um, and then you know the reason I say it's 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 amazing that you stuck it out for that time period is because most and you still decided you wanted to start your own restaurant because i i think about 80 percent of restaurants that open up in new york city shut down within the first five years Mm -hmm. um so let's just go to the start of terry you found this little space in in um in chelsea um where i used to frequent and what were you trying to achieve with that fast food uh, re- using your um, recipes you've had for a while? What were your inspirations for Terry? And how's that kind of grown and expanded over the past few years? Because now I believe you have three locations in the city.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, my inspiration for it was I just try, I always try to put myself in the shoes of the, you know, the 18 the year old kid in Buffalo that, um, you know, I didn't know what quinoa was. I didn't know what a vegan was. I didn't know what um, a lot of things that I've now been exposed to and I'm very familiar with, uh, didn't know what those things were. And I wanted to th- put myself in that mindset of, I, w- I want that kid to walk into Terry and not feel overwhelmed, not feel like this is not the place for them, not feel unwelcome. Um, and uh, so I, so that's that was my goal. I wanted a place that, you know, like my grandma would come and eat at and um, not feel intimidated by the menu or, or the items on the menu and also that similar flavor palette. Um, you know, I'm from Buffalo, I think the Buffalo chicken sandwich is like the best <laughs> the best thing God created um, and uh, so um, that's why it's, that's featured on uh, the Terry menu. But that, that, that flavor profile, you know, it was meat and potatoes, I, you know, my grandma was German so we ate a lot of um, interesting things for sure in the animal <laughs> variety. Uh, and so that, but that was, uh, I had a very meat centered diet and so a lot of the flavor profiles are, um, catering to that, um, that sort of, um, uh, that flavor profile. Yeah.
1: Right. And have you expanded? Be- Cause I know you always had smoothies and, and juices and, and other health sure, sure, foods totally. as well. Has that changed now in the last seven years? Because, you know, when you started off with, um, uh, with Terry in 2010, uh, we were in a very different world back then, yeah, yeah. right? And um, this was before, I think before Instagram, or I think yeah, it was before yeah, Instagram. Yeah. It was before um, bowls became a thing. I think before everyone was obsessed with avocado toast. I think smoothies were starting to get popular around that time.
2: Yeah, juices were actually really popular. Juice that time. cleanses so and for, all of that was a yeah, big thing. Yeah, for example, I mean, we used to sell hundreds of juices a day just out of the 23rd Street location. And... You know, we still sell a lot, but it has dropped significantly. Like, you know, the market's been saturated, but I think the interest has gone down a little bit, um, too, in that space. But, um, uh, yes, it's, look, I mean, when you're in this, this space, people come to you and they're, they're, they're sort of expecting certain things, you know. Um, and so we had to, almost had to provide some things, you know, like the smoothie thing. Um, I was never really like, a huge smoothie person. Uh, certainly, never had a smoothie in my whole life before I moved to New York. Uh, I don't think I ever had a real juice, you know, <laughs> before I came to New York, either, uh, without high fructose corn syrup yeah. or something in it. Um, but uh, yeah, so those those types of things were um, were kind of added to the menu because of almost almost out of necessity of the expectations, meeting the expectations of of mm-hmm. our guests.
1: And what were the t- sort of the typical customer base? I mean, I'm sure you had people who would uh, travel there because they're plant-based and it doesn't matter if they live in the neighborhood or not, but they want to go try any new restaurants that out there. I mean, we all do that. Yeah. But um, you also, I, in the beginning, right next to a gym, I know a lot of your customer base were, were not plant-based or even vegetarian. Yeah. Um, how did they react to some of your Recreations and some of your sort of meat-heavy dishes that has, didn't have any meat in them. Is that still largely the menu? And what's your customer base now versus then?
2: Um, the customer base is, is, I think, almost the same. Um, yeah, it's mostly young professionals because that's those who live and work in that area. Um, yeah, we're right next to a gym. The, the original Terry is right next to a gym. And uh, so we certainly had a lot of uh, trainers coming over and you know wanting their protein powders and their smoothies and things like that. Uh, which we, you know, accommodated them on. And, um, uh, yeah, in terms of, sorry, what was the other question? <laughs> in
1: terms of, um, you know, how's your the menu changed oh, over yeah, the years? Yeah. Like, have you, um, have you stuck with that core idea of comfort fast food? Um, and how has it evolved as the food trends have evolved from juicing in, say, back in 2010, which hasn't necessarily gone away, but it isn't the craze that it was back then to things that are really big now, whether it's bowls or... Um...
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, for example, we have, we now have like a choose three plate because we have all these good components to sandwiches or wraps, but not everybody want, wants a sandwich or wrap. So that's a perfect example. Um, so now we have this like choose three plate and that's, that's very popular. People come in and they can choose, um, you know, a couple different items and it's, it's sort of in that bowl format. Um, so that's certainly changed. That wasn't something we offered even, I think a year ago. Um what else? Um, you know, we've updated, like, salads are a big thing. I'm not a salad person at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, we've, you know, updated those uh, as well and put, you know, more focus and energy into um, making them more interesting. Because, um, you know, in Buffalo, if it's if like it's, it's iceberg lettuce and red onions and Italian dressing is pretty much like, or ranch or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That's and have something. you
1: experimented with different... Um, uh, Plant proteins. So I know, right in the beginning, there was a lot of uh, soy and uh, wheat-based um, uh, protein dishes. Has that evolved over time in terms of using jackfruit? Have you have you tried different things? What's your experience been then? What are your <laughs> thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, we we played around with jackfruit. I, I personally don't think it would ever convince my eighteen-year-old um, self of anything. So um, it's it's personally not for me. Um, but we we now make our own seitan. Um, and we make, a, you know, pulled pork um, with that, or a dish, and um, I've had people that were definitely not vegetarians uh, come to me saying they had the best pulled pork at my, at my restaurant, and it was, you know, then they were confused that it was actually not um, real pork, so that makes me happy to hear, because, um, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to satiate, you know, everyone. Um, what other things have we played around with? You know, like... The, home, the handmade veggie burger thing seems to be, that was something that I really fought against for a while because I've never had a good, not that I've never had a good veggie burger, there's great veggie burgers, but at the end of the day, if you have a good veggie burger, it's like, okay, you had a good veggie burger, but you're not gonna put down your like McDonald's and pick up a veggie burger. They're two very different things, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's one of those trends where you kind of have to, you know, so many people ask for it. So I finally made one that was the, almost every recipe that I make in Terry, it's like a one shot deal. Like I make it once, maybe a tweak at once and it's like it's that's it um but um the burger was something i worked on for a long time so we have this uh, crunch burger at terry which is like a, a, a handmade patty um and that quickly became the, one of our top sellers and so, what is it what
1: is it made of is it the so many things yeah oh. no it's
2: not quinoa it's um there's there's beans there's uh brown rice actually toasted brown rice there's toasted walnuts which give it a little smoky flavor and a crunch um you know, surprisingly, it's, it, that seems to be one of the, the things that people want is they want a, a texture um, in that. When they're eating a veggie burger, they don't want the mushy patty, which yeah. is um, something that oftentimes happens, uh, befalls veggie, veggie burgers.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, a, you know, that's one of those interesting trends that happened in the last few years where veggie burgers in themselves became a thing. They were not mm-hmm. trying to be... Right, uh, exactly, meat. exactly. So were just people right. who were just they wanted veggie burgers that that tasted like veggie right, burgers, right, right. And I thought um, that, <laughs> but not like the veggie burgers that um, I personally didn't love, which yeah. is just beans or just potatoes or something, right. Um, and I think that's continues to be a trend, but I think it's it's you know it's it's it finds its place and then it kind of the hype dies down and people realize well you can't just have that and you need other options as well. So, you know, what tips would you give to someone who is considering opening a restaurant whether in new york city or elsewhere and you know you obviously have managed to not only keep that original location of terry running but you've now expanded to a few other locations and to what extent were your you know what's what what advice would you give people who are thinking about doing it
2: i mean i think the best advice for any business is just um surrounding yourself with good people I mean, I remember hearing a quote, I think it was Rockefeller, who somebody said to him, um, you know, must be the smartest man in the world because you're the richest. And he said, no, I just surround myself with the smartest people in the world. And that's kind of how I feel about Terry and, and the, only, the reason why I'm able to do this project, PS Kitchen, which is totally separate from Terry, or, or fairly separate, um, because I have an amazing team of people that, that work with me um, on this. And I've been, you know, invested them, you know, they're like a family. And like we're, we're, we're like a family. We work together really well. Uh, really cohesive team. I have people that have been with me for eight years, even before the, the Terry days that wanted to come work for me. I have people that are working at PS Kitchen that worked with me 10 years ago, you know, either at Candle79 or Blossom that are like, can I work with you again? And that's, that's a great, that's, that's just great. It makes life a lot easier. <laughs> it yeah. makes a lot of life a lot, of, you know, treat, treat your um, employees well, treat them fairly. And um, it's just such a simple thing, but a lot of people fail to, to do that.
1: And to what extent you would say, you know, those are important um things for sure. I mean, I don't think... I think they apply in any business. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah. restaurant space is slightly different because the turnover tends to be a lot. Um, and the fact that you've still got people who've been with you from the beginning is testament to what you're doing. But I think in addition to that, how, from a food standpoint purely, um, have you stayed largely... I know we talked about that in terms of how you've evolved your menu. To what extent do you think that's played a role? The fact that you've, you've always been um can you really run i guess my question is can you really run a restaurant without looking at what the trends are around and to what extent do you incorporate the trends um but at the same time not let it dominate what you're doing best already because it's very tempting to say okay now the quinoa burger is the big thing now we should just dump everything else and start doing quinoa burgers um, not that a smart restaurant would do that, but um, you know, to, how important is that to evolve the food, to change the menu, to understand what your customers want, to to see that the customer base is also evolving because more and more people are starting to try plant-based foods. And you know, maybe there were only three or four options in New York City a few years ago. Now there's plenty, and uh, all of that. Some of them don't even offer seitan or uh, soy protein. Some of them are completely based on whole plant-based foods or at least predominantly to what extent do you think that's a crucial part um and and i th- i think it's important to note that you're still involved in the creation of the actual recipes mm-hmm. in terry which um it's easy to give up over the years because you get involved in expanding mm-hmm. so yeah. i know there's a lot of questions there yeah, but sure. <laughs> in generally i i'd love to know you know how in addition to running an efficient restaurant how important the f- is the f- is the food, and of course it is important. But right. yeah, what's your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Food is at the end of the day that's that's what it's about, right? I mean, I think if you provide good value and it's delicious, everybody has to eat. So I've always looked at it. I've always taken that approach that um, I'm not so concerned about the trends because trends are trends. Um, obviously, you need to pay attention to those things. You don't want to you know completely ignore it. You know, for example, when we first opened, you know, uh, people were really afraid of soy for whatever reason because um, there was you know there was a lot of money scaring people about it uh, we don't get nearly as many questions about that um, you know then it was the gluten-free thing and um, so we had gluten-free options and we upped those things so there's certain big trends and, and same thing with you know for example our bread our bread had like soy oil in it and we had to take that out just so we could have several more options that were soy free at the beginning and you know then with the gluten-free trend and now yeah there's the bowl thing that's that's a that's a big thing and we that's you know with our choose three plate that's how we've sort of accommodated um, that trend um, but uh, overall um, you know the main dishes are still um, you know our bread and butter essentially right like they you know the meatball sub and the buffalo chicken sandwich and we have a you know we have the fish filet patty which is made with uh, you know cashews and, and hearts of palm. so that, that's actually uh, was in response to the push for whole food plant based right. um, I mean obviously the whole sandwich isn't whole food plant based but there's a component to it there that's um, oil free And if you just want the patty, you can, you can have that. So, and so I guess
1: customization is also important. It's always been a trend in the restaurant space in the U S especially, but maybe not so much in the plant-based food space, but now you're starting to see even people who choose to eat plant-based. Some will come in and eat um, the Buffalo chicken sandwich. I mean, it's not real chicken, but you know, Mm -hmm. um, while some will come in and say, no, I want to have this gluten-free oil-free no soy option and you've got to be able to make sure your your menu accommodates for that which is you know you're now reaching not just people who are all vegan or all vegetarian you're reaching people who are coming in there for a very specific reason maybe because they've seen something on instagram or are trying to be healthy or um you know starting to discover that plant foods can be as delicious as anything you can imagine on the planet so um let's i, I want to get to ps kitchen i know sure. you mentioned it but um where what's next for terry before we get into ps kitchen what's your what's your goals with uh, terry you have three is this do you plan to expand beyond new york city are you looking at franchise opportunities what's what's the goal here with terry uh
2: yeah i mean i want to keep growing terry i love i love terry i'm excited about it um you know because i grew up with not a lot of money it's important for me to have you know, affordable options for people. Um, and, uh, you know, cause I, you know, wouldn't have been able to go eat at, you know, a place like Candle or, or Blossom every night of the week um, from my, uh, where I came from and, um, but I could eat at Terry. So that's really like my heart and soul. And um, that's why I named it for my mom. Um, and uh, yeah, we're gonna continue to grow. That's basically it. We have a couple other projects that are exciting, um, but you know, kind of too early to, they haven't materialized yet, and
1: you're keeping it uh, local to this to new york city for them for now or
2: i mean it's so much easier to manage yeah. you know like i know people like they, they want to be in la and they want to be in you know all these different areas but um the reality is uh so much of i think building a successful business and brand is about uh your team and you know if your team is halfway across the country it's much more difficult to have that you know get that personal time in and ha- you know managing it it's just uh that's 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 crucial to the success of it i think so as of right now yeah i think we're going to stay to the east coast for a little while and and uh and do that yeah
1: and you know before we get into your new restaurant uh one last question because you mentioned the um, keeping prices lower and making sure that the food that you offer at terry is affordable uh, to I, that's a huge issue we tend to cover that a lot in this show where we talk about how Traditionally, one of the problems with plant-based food is it's um, it's been looked at as being this um, thing only on the coast. It's um, sort of elitist in the sense that there are parts of this country that you can't you know it's cheaper to buy a Big Mac than it is to buy a head of lettuce, and even if you bought one uh, lettuce, it would be horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and there definitely aren't any plant-based restaurants around, and there's no Terry's around. So, Mm -hmm. how? How important is that for you as part of, you know, of course, you're a restaurant owner, you're a businessman, but the reason you got into this was not purely business was because you wanted to use plant-based foods to, to make a difference and to change people's hearts and minds when it came to what they, you know, the food choices they were making. How important is that for you? And to what extent do you think that's going to guide new locations? Because, you know, there are parts of even New York City that are food deserts, right? There are parts of New York City you go to, you go to Chelsea is very different from, you go way up to the Bronx or, um, you go to parts of Queens. It's, it's not the same at all. And there aren't that many vegan restaurants. I know Harlem is getting better, but you know, you go north of Harlem, um, for, and people who are familiar with New York city, that's, uh it changes drastically. Is that a factor for you? And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what you hope to do there. Yeah, I
2: mean, definitely. I, I, you know, my dream would be to have one in every, well, not every corner, but, you know, to have as many Terry's as there are McDonald's, that would be great. Um, <laughs> the reality is it's, they're very expensive to open. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're self-funding them all so far. Um, but it's, you know, we're growing and it's in expanding. So that's, that's exciting. But yeah, absolutely. Like, there's no doubt that you know even same thing with Buffalo. I mean, there's food deserts there too, um, and um, yeah, I, that that needs to be addressed and needs to be changed. Um, and sure. you've
1: not taken any external investment. or you still, you and your co uh, and your co-owner Mike, mm-hmm. your friends from back in the early days. You're the still the only two owners of Terry.
2: Uh, we're the two main owners. We have a couple of our um, managers actually. Um, Invested um, some small amounts of money to get some equity, and we've gifted them some sweat equity too. So that's great to incentivize them and keep them, you know, keep them engaged.
1: Wow, that's great. So you're kind of uh, some of your employees have become part owners. Now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. So let's get to PS Kitchen, which is your latest um, restaurant. Very different from yeah. Terry. Yeah, um, different. Why don't you tell us what PS Kitchen is? Because it's brand new. This is uh, what, so it opened a up week? a few weeks ago. Yeah.
2: Yeah, a week and a half. Yeah, PS Kitchen, is, um, it's kind of like, uh, it's an upscale uh, restaurant, full-service restaurant. It's a beautiful, sexy space in um, Hell's Kitchen, um, Times Square Hell's Kitchen area. And we're donating all the profits to charity. So that's uh, it's a really cool, fun, exciting project.
1: So how did that even come about you've been busy with terry um how did the opportunity for ps kitchen come about what did you always wanted to do um sort of a more higher end gourmet plant-based restaurant or this this stumble across you because someone else wanted to do it and you were the right person to help with uh
2: i think that i have always thought new york deserved um better um i think that um you know, uh, you know, as many as, uh, options as there are, um, when you eat those options every day, you get a little tired. So I wanted something new. And, um, but yeah, how, how it started was a friend of mine came to me. She's um, uh, somewhat of a philanthropist. Uh, and she said that part of her job is to entertain, uh, in, entertain clients. And uh, she's like, wouldn't it be great if I could pair... Um, my job with my generous giving and also create a space that would be fun a fun way to give right so um, what if we created a bar restaurant that um, donated all the profits to charity and specifically social businesses so when I met my friend uh, she came to me with that idea and uh, oh she told me what a social business was which I didn't know and it basically it, you apply a business engine to a problem so for example uh, she built a baby fact a baby food factory in Haiti and what that does is it it Provides jobs for people in Haiti. It provides affordable food for children. It provide it incentivizes farmers to plant food crops instead of cash crops, and it brings money to Haiti. And um, you know, once that, you, once you build that factory um, and that business, assuming that it's sustainable, your money has multiple lives instead of just one life, and it's also hand up instead of hand out. Uh, so you're empowering people. So it's this beautiful, this beautiful idea. And actually, it was created by uh, Muhammad Yunus, who uh, won the Nobel Peace Prize for. That idea, and so those are some of the organizations that we're going to be donating our profits to. And we wanted to create our own social business here in New York, which is something that um, we're going to um, employ um, some marginalized people, um, as well as um, working with some local charities here in New York.
1: Great. So you're almost set up to be you're you're a for profit um, business, but you choose to give your profits, donate them to charities. Correct. And um, and to what extent are you looking to um, empower underprivileged people? You said in terms of through through the restaurant itself, or by just partnering with other organizations?
2: Yeah, we're going to employ people directly in, in the restaurant that are from marginalized communities, essentially. So we are we are also um, supporting those charities with the with the profits that we have. Um, uh, those local charities that work with under you know underprivileged people here in New York, um, such as the Doe Fund, such as Seeds, and Restore, and you can you know you can go on our website and see some of the organizations we work with.
1: So that's I mean I've never heard of that before. I know maybe there's maybe one other bar that's kind of doing something similar, but not exactly the same thing. Uh, I think it's we're at a time when we need to be making more of those connections, and especially in the plant-based food space where. Traditionally, it has been looked on as being either sort of a part of a wellness or health craze or being driven by people who were plant-based vegan themselves and were just trying to get more people to eat that way because of environmental or animal rights reasons. What's interesting now, though, is that food in general is very powerful because it involves, you know, if you go trace the ingredients of any food product and not just meat and dairy i'm talking about even plant-based food products there are people involved in every step of the way and people involved in parts of this country there are people potentially involved in parts of countries around the world and you know in my conversations with um, a lot of ceos who run companies that develop you know products they're facing the same challenges. is 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 great. We're providing something plant-based, but that's not the beginning and the end of it. And of course, no one can, you know, there's no perfection here. But you you have to go to the source and figure out how you can help empower people in every part of the supply chain, and then turn obviously create a good product that people want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can you know you don't have to. You don't even then have to um, sort of preach to people about what you're doing. Um, the product speaks for itself. And I guess in your case, the product is the experience that is the restaurant and the quality of the food that's in there. So maybe since we, you know, a lot of our conversation today has been dominated by food trends and the evolving plant based food space, because it is really fascinating to see how quickly. Uh, that the, the space is not only evolving, but also the consumer tastes and interests are starting to evolve. I mean, the idea of using, say, you know, more flavors and foods was unthinkable a few years ago, right? Even seven years ago, you're, when you were thinking about plant-based foods, the goal was create something healthy or create something that's a replica of something people are used to. But now people are starting to expand way beyond that. And I tried the food at PS Kitchen and I can say it from my experience um and being a food lover myself there were some things and flavors i tasted that i kind of never had at a plant-based restaurant before using ingredients like certain types of mushrooms that i had probably never tried in a restaurant before so what was your thinking behind the menu here and to what extent did you have a direct hand in it and in uh picking a chef for the restaurant and maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that food and why that why those food choices and um to what extent is it influenced by trends or are you trying to set a new trend with some of it
2: yeah i mean i well first of all i gotta give so much credit to my chef gary um he is you know he's he's brilliant um first of all he and, and also he's uh, trained in classic French technique. So, um, he brings that to the table in addition to the fact that he's just very, very creative. And I think that, you know, what sometimes happens is you get people that are interested in food and they're like, Oh, I like to cook at home. And then they want to open a restaurant and and sometimes that's and or they want to go to cooking school or something like that. But, um, it's not as often, I think, at least in the plant-based world where you get someone that, um, you know, Gary worked at, uh, with Thomas Keller at per se um, he was uh, he worked at Union, Danny Meyer with Danny Meyer at Union Square Cafe. Um, he was at like sort of like the height of you know uh, cooking you, you could be in, in New York anyway and um, then he he went vegetarian or vegan and, and he felt conflicted with uh, the food he was serving and so he got out of that get out of that um, Business or not business, but he, he shifted over to, over to Champs, which is a very different a different mm-hmm. place. And I actually uh, discovered him at uh, Avant Garden. Um, I was a regular there, um, which is another great restaurant here in New York. And um, you know, I was just talking to him, telling him about a project um, that I was working on. And you know, this is still years out, so I had no idea where where I would be. But I just you know, we stayed in touch, and um, he moved. Um, to another place and then um anyway long story short is we just stayed in touch over the years and and he came on board so as far as like where the inspiration for the food came um i still had ideas that i wanted to um th- things that i love to cook for myself that don't really fit in with the terry you know they're not sandwiches or things like that and i can cook cook other things as well and i i kind of handed some of those ideas to gary and he elevated them to levels that i didn't realize that were possible uh and then a lot of the ideas were just his he just had some things that he made that um, were, you know, kind of like tricks up his sleeve that I just, I was blown away. I'm really, really so happy with the menu. It's, it's, I mean, I'm not just because it's my place. <laughs> it's like, it's really like, I think it's like some of the best food I've ever had in my life. And um,
1: yeah. And I can see there's a lot of attention to detail. I mean, that's the beauty of what's happening now in uh, the plant-based food space. It's no longer just, you know, if, again, the, the, we need the activists. We need the activists turned chefs. We need all of that. But to see people who have spent their careers being professionally trained chefs, who've worked in, in in, in, your, in the case of your chef, who worked in some of the best restaurants of New York City. In the world. In the world, really, actually. And then to take that training and that experience and that knowledge of, um, of the culinary arts and then apply that to um, plant-based food. Um, and I which often I think from, from what I've heard, I mean, I'm no chef, but from what I've heard from chefs is it's almost a, a, a challenge to them because meat, it tends to be easier <laughs> to do things with. Uh, plants are tougher, but at the end of the day, a lot of the flavors you get in, say, um, a plant-based dish using things like mushroom comes from the sauce the seasoning and everything else you do to it, and it's not... Simple. I mean, the food you eat at uh, PS Kitchen, much like in Avant Garden or perhaps any other high-end uh, plant-based restaurant like Veg in Philadelphia, is not. It's probably not something you try at home. Um, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. not easy to make recreate that at home, and so it's 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 a different kind of market. But I think it elevates the entire um, space because at the end of the day, plant-based food is, you know, in this show and the work I'm doing, I'm very focused on. Using the power of food to transform this, um, using the power of plant based food to transform our food industry from the inside out. And while a lot of the focus tends to be on the packaged products that you, or the meat alternatives and the non dairy beverages and the cheeses, you need to hit the food service uh, industry as well. And that's kind of where you have more room to innovate, you have more room to try um, new ingredients and new flavors because if it works, you know, people will order it. And if it doesn't, you can easily replace the dish. It isn't like you're packaging and developing a whole product that needs R&D. And those then eventually start to spread into other restaurants. And before you know it, uh, this kind of food is everywhere. And so I think from a stepping back from a more macro level, you can't undermine the importance that restaurants play in setting food trends in and you know, I know we're in New York City, where all these trends tend to be set. But um, it's you know, if, let's go back to say even ten years ago, plant-based restaurants, a vegan restaurants were kind of for vegans, mm-hmm. and that's no longer the case. And I think that's the first step in bringing about change. Of course, you're gonna get people who don't eat meat and don't eat, uh, choose not to eat dairy, who will come and frequent your restaurant, but. You're really making a difference only if you're consistently reaching more people. And the way to do that is to bring these expert chefs to create food that they you can't get anywhere whether in a, in, a, in a plant-based restaurant or Michelin three-star restaurant. And that I think is is how we bring about change and starting here and hopefully see that start to happen and spread across um, other cities and, and hopefully around the country as well. So, you know, what I'm trying to say is that I love the idea of of using gourmet, elevated, plant-based food um, and also tying the social mission to it to remind people that, you know, food is not just about what you eat, but it's connected to everything um, we are and everything we kind of depend on on this planet that we live on. And of course, if you choose plant-based, you're also then avoiding... Very easily avoiding contributing to the massive factory farming system, which I don't believe anyone should support. Whether you're a meat eater or a vegan, mm-hmm. I don't think you'll disagree with that. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I don't disagree. With so, that. you know, I'd uh, I'd love to get into your sort of focus going forward. I know we've you've, you've done Terry. You've 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 kind of immersed yourself in the plant-based food space in New York City at the moment. Uh, you've now launched a very different restaurant it's very early on but it's a promising concept the food is promising i can say that because i've tried it and of course the mission behind it is very promising where do you want to take this next um, not specifically ps kitchen or terry but what, what are your goals like what drives you to wake up every day and do this are these the same goals that you had when you moved to new york city as a kid from Buffalo or, uh, has that evolved now and you have different goals? Like what's, what's your mission now?
2: No, still, still the same goals. Um, I still want to, uh, grow as quickly as I can and, um, um, you know, provide as many options for people out there with, uh, you know, tasty food that, um, I think is, um, more, um, you know, humanely produced essentially. And, um, um, yeah, so those are my goals. I did want to add one thing uh, to something you said earlier. We've actually done a survey at Terry with about the percentage of people that eat meat and don't. And over 85% of our customers um, do eat meat. Mm-hmm. So that's just I think that's a testament to the food, and that we are actually sort of reaching you know out beyond the the vegan and vegetarians. Um, so that's really exciting to me. Um, we haven't done a, a survey at PS Kitchen yet, but <laughs> I think I think it's probably similar. Um, But uh, yeah, yeah. So as far as the goals, um, same goals, basically, I I stay the course. um, And, um, you know, we've already kicked around the idea of P.S. Kitchen number two. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we're uh, we're hungry and aggressive in that in that space uh, as well.
1: Great. So you still uh, you dropped you've dropped the idea of moving back to Buffalo and opening a restaurant there.
2: Um, I think that you know maybe Terry will will venture somewhat west. Um, yeah, I think that like you know the next move would probably be, you know, I don't want to give away too much away, but you know we're looking at other cities, but other cities that are closer to New York just for the literal um, uh, pragmatic Logistic logistical, ease yeah, ease of doing it, exactly because right. it's it's just to to, to manage something in California or manage even something in Buffalo from here. Um, it's just so much easier to, to go to someplace that's, a, you know, maybe an hour or two hours away.
1: Got it. So, you know, what, it, what else is sort of exciting you in the plant based food space right now? I know we've been very focused on the restaurant business and kind of focused on what you're doing in New York city, but you know, if you look beyond that, I know you incorporate, for example, in PS kitchens menu, um, some dishes that use the Beyond Burger from, yeah. uh, from Beyond Meat.
2: Yeah, that's really exciting.
1: And so what are your thoughts on what's happening in the industry right now? This, again, didn't even exist seven years ago when you...
2: Didn't even exist, it's like, what, two years ago? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I'm ex- I'm so excited. The, the, it, the, the food space is changing so much, so rapidly. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that excites me is probably the... um. To, what's the, the nice way of saying a test tube meat, I guess, you know, clean, lab, meat. clean meat, is that what they're the, calling it? Yeah, they're calling clean, it clean meat. Clean meat. In vitro yeah, meat, in vitro lab meat. meat I mean, it's, it's just, you know, we, you know, all the problems with factory farming, but, you know, you grow an entire animal and all you do is you want parts of it. So it would be great to be able to just grow those parts without, you know, without that, that entire um, uh, being. So that's that's something that's really exciting to me in this space, and I think that that's going to be a huge game changer. I mean, Beyond Meat is unbelievable. Um, I've never seen the reaction that I've seen with um, other, you know, fake or plant based meats, plant based foods uh, like I've seen with this. So you know, I know that that's just it, it, the food's getting better, uh, the options are getting better, and they're becoming more accessible to people. You know, my my parents, my nieces, they drink almond milk um, because it's accessible. My dad uses earth balance and he didn't even know it because <laughs> my mom <laughs> likes it better. Um, you know, things like that. thats It's really exciting yeah. to me because, you know, 10 years ago, oh my God, I, I literally had to drive 40 minutes to get soy milk mm-hmm. um, or, or tofu or something like that in Buffalo. And now you can go to every, you know, you can go to Duane Reed here or any local Gristides or, or Bodega, as we call them here in New York, um, to get... So many options that are yeah. that are plant-based. They're just it's just so much more accessible, and I think that's it's great. I mean, the difference is huge. And do you plan to? Um, to what extent are you planning
1: to incorporate more products from this space? Is there, you know, there's a lot of interesting things happening in the in the plant-based cheese category, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, I know you use Beyond Burger, but are you? perhaps in Terry or PS kitchen, are you using, I'm assuming you use a lot of these products too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
2: I mean, as, as they come out, I mean, luckily, cause I'm in this business, I get uh, sometimes first access to them, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause the, uh, that's, that's just how the chain of, um, that's just how the chain works As they come to restaurants first and they say, what do you think about this product? And it's, but so it's, yeah, it's really exciting. But yeah, absolutely. As, as new products come out, you know, we want to incorporate them um, because we want to offer the best options to our guests.
1: Mm-hmm. And what annoying trend would you like to see
2: Disappear in the food space, (laughs) outside plant-based or within plant-based. What Uh, annoying trend! Oh, there's so many weird (laughs) trends out there. I don't know if I want to name one because there's so many. (laughs) Are you pro avocado toast or anti avocado toast? Yeah, whatever. You want avocado toast, have avocado toast. I I don't I don't care. I mean, it's not. I don't think you're hurting. uh, I just don't put an egg on it. That's (laughs) that's just ridiculous. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's that. I've never never eaten avocado and egg together. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, you know, I my last question. I asked
1: this of almost all our guests. Um, it's kind of looking ahead, far ahead. If you could look at it at the year 2050 and I'm assuming you'll continue to do the work that you're doing. You said you're going to stay the course and and stay focused on growing the restaurants you have and opening new ones. What kind of world do you want to see in 2050? I mean, it's we've seen so much change just in the last uh, four or five years. And with more restaurants offering plant-based options, with more products in the market across parts of the country that typically don't get things like a plant-based meat or a vegan cheese. And who knows, down the line, you'll have more plant-based restaurants or predominantly plant-centric restaurants opening up in parts of the country that don't have it. And you said, you mentioned um, in vitro lab meat or clean meat as well as a thing that's in the horizon and should be hitting the market in a few years. And hopefully that'll be affordable enough in, say, five to ten years based on at least the people I've spoken to who are way smarter than me and experts (laughs) in this space. Um, What kind of world do you want to hopefully see in terms of how your work connects to that? Because you're embedded in this space now and you have been for a few years. What's yeah. your kind of like your um, utopia vision of 2050?
2: Well, I mean, I, I, I hate to get too off topic, but I, I guess I do want to mention social justice a little bit because as mm-hmm. of what's going on in this world right now, I would like less institutionalized racism and things like that, of course. Um, that's on a more macro level, um, you know, 2050, hopefully it's, that's, that's, we've, we've moved uh, in a much better direction than we're, we seem to be moving right now. But in terms of the food space, uh, yeah, I see, um, I definitely see um, the, the uh, in vitro meat being, I, I really think that that's going to be everywhere. I think what's going to happen, I, I, I hope, is it's going to become cheaper to, to produce that than it would to produce, you know, the factory farm is expensive. And right now, it, as you know, it's because it's subsidized, tax dollars really subsidize so much of that. And if that w- went away or even got reduced a little bit. Um, it would become exorbitantly expensive produ- to produce the amount of meat that we do. Um, and I think that with the in vitro meat um, not having those issues, the environmental issues, uh, it, I, think, I think it will become eventually cheaper to produce and therefore, and, and probably you know, cleaner essentially, literally um, and figuratively. Uh, And I think that that's just, that's really going to change a lot, you know, with the deforestation problem, you know, there's so many issues, you know, even with the pharmaceuticals, 80% of our pharmaceuticals go to, you know, go to the meat industry. So um, I think that that'll, I think that's the future. I think that's in 2050, you're going to see that incorporated into fast food chains like McDonald's and Taco Bell and, and all those places. I I really do. I think, I, I think that that's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. And the the best part is I think a lot of people don't understand this, that just by changing the factory farming system or by dismantling it in some way over the years or de- having it decline or change from the inside out, the trickle down effect of that is tremendous. It's um, the impact on human health, the impact on uh, obviously the environment, deforestation, water pollution, air pollution, all of it. And then you add on top of that, you now have um, hopefully paved the way for better food. Um, so not just, you know, getting rid of factory farming, but replacing it with something that is hopefully more nutritious, that is uh, devoid of all the, as you pointed out, antibiotics and added hormones and, and other things. And a food system that hopefully can support um, uh the growing population but also support the ecosystems of this planet so that's the hope but the thing is it's not going to happen on its own and it needs all of us it needs everything from uh, the activists who are fighting those um completely unfair policies that subsidize the meat and dairy industry that are fighting for plant-based foods to sort of get the same respect in grocery stores um and obviously in um in DC, when they're making new laws, uh, but it's also going to take ch- change at the very grassroots level in terms of educating people about food and changing their food choices, and making food more accessible. Whether it's by you know opening more restaurants that can wake people up to the idea that plant-based food is good for you, tastes amazing, and is better for all for the for everyone and the planet itself. Um, those are the things that are going to add to it. So, you know, just to kind of wrap this up from a, from a listener standpoint, what I think I really take away from your story is that, you know, as long as you have a passion for something and you kind of stick to it with, um, with determination and, you know, you have to be naive to a certain extent, but you've got to be driven at the same time. You can you can go from just having an idea to to being in the position you are now at where you not only run successful businesses, but now have the power to influence new ones and open restaurants that are just, you know, not just profit machines, but are changing people's hearts and minds and hopefully helping people who need the help the most, which is the underprivileged and parts of the country and the world that don't have as much as we do here in the Western world. So um, I just want to say thanks for what you're doing. I think it's a part of a much bigger group of people each of us have to do our little part and without even one of it it's not gonna we're not gonna end up in that place in 2050 so
2: well i want to say thanks to you and what you've done i mean i remember when you came to me with this idea when you <laughs> we were working uh, at the, the company you were at and you were, yeah. you're like you t- and i was like oh that sounds cool yeah you know yeah <laughs> and, and look at what you've built it's it's really incredible man it's really incredible
1: yeah and it kind of what we've done is sort of what you've said earlier with the survey that you did at terry a majority of a, one Green Planet readers um, are not plant-based, vegan, vegetarian. And um, of course we have a lot of people who are, and hopefully more and more people will start to shift in that direction, whether all the way or how much they can do. But you know you can't grow if you're not reaching more people. And it's not just about growth. The, I measure growth by impact. Mm-hmm. You're not yeah. having an impact. Yeah. If, you're, if you're not reaching meat eaters, you're not having the impact you set out to have. Um, unless you just wanna create a restaurant for, for people you know <laughs> uh, which is fine Yeah, good luck you know that's great I mean good luck surviving in New York City yeah. though yeah. so you know there's the I like when the business side of it blends with the mission side of it where your reason for growth doesn't just become profit. your reason for growth is I'm making an impact I'm changing people's minds. I'm changing people's taste buds um, and I'm changing people's outlook on the world and I think that is way more powerful than just saying, we grew this quarter and and we've got x number of new customers walking through the door of your restaurant or we've got you know another million unique users on our site um they mean nothing if we're not actually making some difference
2: so. well absolutely and, and I, just like they add, just in terms of happiness i mean if you want to chase the carrot for the rest of your life i mean there's been endless amount of studies that show you're not going to be happy and you're never going to find happiness that way and you know i think that I don't know if you know this but I I feel like I'm one of the happiest guys you'll ever meet Um, you know I know where I came from I know what I have I'm very happy for that and um, uh, yeah and I you know I have the best friends and you know family that that one can have and um, and that's why it's 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 like fun like giving is actually one of the best um, returns on your investment in terms of happiness so um, and then you know there's there's other things too but I guess it sort of comes ties back into the PS thing, which is like you know it's this. It's great that I'm now in a position in my life where I can create something that that is giving, um, in that way. When um, you know, in in when it, where I where I came from was not that was not the case. I was not in that position. So it's 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 nice, and i feel very fortunate for that.
1: Yeah, and you're you know still have a long way to go. So very yeah. excited to see what you do next, yeah. and uh, and what how PS Kitchen evolves, and Terry evolves, and perhaps other things that you get into. Um so thanks so much for being with us today this was uh, a lot of fun as usual uh to catch up and um you know we all have to do our part and i hopefully you listening in have uh, learned something or taken something away from this conversation that you can hopefully apply uh and be part of this amazing movement that is really happening now and that it's going to lead us to that place i keep saying in 2050 <laughs> uh where we're going to look
2: back and all be be
1: be really proud of what we've achieved
2: yeah Cool. Well, thanks for having me, Um, and thanks for listening, everyone.
1: You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit eftp.co. That's eftp.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening.